It's Wine Week at Women, Wine, and Leadership. And this was supposed to be a really special week because I was going to get to attend the Wonder Women of Wine conference in Austin, Texas, which is where I'm from, if you can't tell by the accent. My interview with Rainia Zayat um, was truly inspiring. The founder of this organization is a forward-looking woman in the wine industry who wants to um, really create a great uh, baseline of equality in the wine industry for women. And she's doing that through this annual conference in, in Austin. When it gets rescheduled, you can uh, check the, the website, wonderwomenofwine.com to figure out how you can be involved. But until then, grab yourself a glass of wine and enjoy this story about a woman who just is breaking down barriers to make life better for women in wine. two loveliest sounds in the world are the sounds of a cork popping and the sound of a wine bottle pouring. So I'm really, really, and I never say the word excited, but I really am excited to have Rania Zayat on the podcast because people who know me know that wherever there's Donna, there's wine. You can see all the wine in the background. Um, I run uh, women's retreats, uh, wine retreats for inner leadership development. And when I found out that there was this Wonder Woman of Wine conference in Austin, I just went on the website and said, what can I do to help? I want to be there. <laughs> and I uh, signed up as a volunteer. And I'm so glad that I get to actually interview the founder of the organization. So, Rania, would you give us kind of a little bit of a background, um, what it is, that you do in the wine industry and what inspired you to start the Wonder Women? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so I um, I am still working in the wine industry. Um, Wonder Woman of Wine is sort of my, um, you know, side hustle, hobby, uh, fulfilling life projects, um, I guess you would say, but I've been working in hospitality for 16 years and wine for 10 of those years, um, primarily in restaurants. Um, so I'm currently the wine director at Bufalina in East Austin. Um, and I lived in Austin for about six years. I've worked with about four different um, restaurants and wine programs around the city. And um, really uh, just found my niche um, when I moved here in 2014. It was my first full-time wine job. I opened up a restaurant um, called La Vie that's no longer um, no longer open, but it was really such a special place for me to work. Um, and then I uh, transitioned over to uh, the Four Seasons, and I did the wine program um, for about six months. And then I was at June's all day on South Congress before I moved to Bucalina in um, May of 2017. Um, I also have a... Uh, I co-founded a natural wine consulting agency with my partner, not fiance, um, Chris. And so we do a lot of wine education, both uh, public and private classes. And so in the past couple of years, I've done several classes for women in business, um, mostly female litigators and lawyers in the city on how to navigate a wine list with confidence at a business center, which is my favorite classes to teach. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, the conference sort of aligns with um, all the things that I love about education and empowering people. 
That's fantastic. I, I noticed that in your background and uh, it's part of what we do at the retreats. It's a wine education so that you can navigate a list and, and expand your palate. Yeah. Uh, but um, it's easy to, to, to understand that both of us love wine and, and we're uh, very passionate about that industry. What was it that got you into the wine industry? Where did you come from? Um, so I actually studied uh, cultural anthropology in college. Um, I started off as a journalism major and then switched um, two years into anthropology. I was just really fascinated by um, culture and people and the idea of traveling. I've always considered myself a, um, a people watcher and I'm just, I'm always fascinated by different backgrounds. And so um, when I was getting started in restaurants, um, wine was this sort of thing that I felt at first very intimidated by. Of course, I was terrified to open the first bottle of wine that the table ordered for me. Um, but as I was going through college and studying anthropology, I really found this beautiful connection between um, wine and culture and understanding um, you know, culture's identity and history um, through wine and how wine can also transcend culture and bring people together, um, especially around a table. And I just thought it was fascinating. Um, and so I decided that being a sommelier and moving into this industry really encompassed all the things that I wanted for myself out of a career, just yeah. traveling and meeting people and um, getting to be around food and wine all the time, which of course is so amazing. And so it really just felt like the perfect um, fit for me. And I'm so glad that I got it. Yeah. Yeah. I totally understand. There's such an art to winemaking and there's always a story behind every winemaker, how they choose um, the wines the, that, they're, that they're growing and, and why they uh, choose the labels and the names that they use. There's so much yeah. history. I read a, a novel about, um, it was kind of a World War II era novel about some of the wines in France um, stocked away so that the Nazis didn't come and steal them. Yeah, yeah. So Crazy. fascinating just to get some history. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's exciting. And it's great that you're um, marrying somebody in the wine industry too. Um, yeah. Share the love. Yes. <laughs> we bonded over a bottle of um, 1983 Chateau Bocastel at a tasting. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> what made that so significant to you that besides the fact that you met your fiance while you're drinking it? Um, you know, we, there's uh, some events that we attend in the city um, that are hosted by wine collectors. Um, we call them wine salons. And basically um, there's always a theme at every tasting and um, the collectors will always bring multiple bottles from their sellers that have a lot of age on them. And They'll, we'll all sit down together and drink and taste and talk about the, the state of the wines and like how they're drinking and like we share our expertise on the bottle and the producer yeah. and the wine because I think really just have a really great time listening to our professional opinions. And so um, this was a, a Chateauneuf du Pop tasting and um, I'd worked with Bocastel at the time but had never had anything with that much age on it. And I honestly don't remember what the wine tastes like. Um, I just remember that I thought that it was very youthful um, for being as old as it was, um, which I was really just blown away by. I'd never had, um, I didn't have a lot of experience with 1983 Chateau Pop. Not that most people do, but it was something that um, I was just... I just remember thinking it was elegant and um, 
for being a wine that usually has higher alcohol content, right? Those wines are often in the 14, 15, 16% range. Yeah. Um, it was very delicate and meaty and savory and youthful. And yeah, it was just memorable in some, some way. You know, I love that you use those words um, in the, um, the women's retreat that I do, using wine as a metaphor to talk about inner leadership and using the characteristics of a fine wine, including finesse and elegance. And to hear you describe elegance in a wine really just arms me <laughs> with more inspiration for the course. Yeah. It's so much fun. You have to uh, imagine where you're going. And I think a lot of the people who, who I've met who have come to the, the classes, retreats that we do, um, have not explored wine as much um, as, as you have for sure. And um, I would consider myself a novice in comparison with you. Um, and I love to uh, help people to understand that there's something different than what they now know. And it's yeah. the same thing when we're talking about um, inner leadership and developing women, which is what you do as Wonder Women of Wine. Mm -hmm. We don't even know what's possible until we start to see it. Yeah. And taste it. And I'm guessing that that's kind of part of the experience that I'm going to get at the end of March at Wonder Woman of Wine. Why, what inspired you to create this, this um, gathering? Oh boy. Well, um, so I, my wine training is through the Court of Master Sommeliers, um, which we know is like the dominant governing body for wine certifications in our country. And um, I started working at um, a steakhouse in 2010 in Houston. And I was um, it was an all-male sommelier team. There was five at the time. And um, that's really where I decided that sommelier and wine was going to be my um, lifelong career. And really? so I started, um, we had a 4,500 bottle selection of wines. So it was an amazing place to work and to study, to be constantly surrounded by some of the best wines in the world. Yeah. And um, But I really felt that early on in my wine studies that I was always, I always felt like I was trying to um, identify my path and change my hab my wine service and my habits and my studying to fit into this sort of uh, machismo-like environment, um, you know, even with studying for exams and knowing that I had to be buddy-buddy with um, a lot of the master psalms that are in the U.S., which are predominantly male mm -hmm. um, and, and much older than me. And I found that really challenging, and I didn't have many female mentors whenever I was first getting started. And so when um, the Me Too movement started, I felt like I was just so blown away by the number of women that I felt like were uh, the first time in my life that I could remember really bringing their voices together collectively and able to start creating change uh, for women positively. And I felt really compelled to do that as part of my narrative and to change the, the future narrative of women that we're going to be entering this industry and letting them know that there are so many amazing female mentors um, in this industry. We just have to start highlighting them and building our network and creating safe spaces where we can talk about these things um, you know, the, the issues that are really on the forefront, not just that are women's issues, but that are really the industry's issues. Uh, it's really true. And it's true in all of business. And yeah. I've heard that the wine industry is much like the tech industry where I came from. You just have fewer women at the table. And, yeah. and yet that puts a huge 
requirement, responsibility on our shoulders because we, we have to be impeccable in the way that we show up res, uh, responsibly as a, uh, as a human, as a business person, um, yeah. as a leader. We have less room for error because it, it impacts every woman when one woman is labeled right. in a negative way. Especially when there's only one of us in the room. Exactly. Well, and a lot of the women that I work with ask me, how in the world do I navigate a room full of men? I hold my own, but maintain my femininity and be assertive without being aggressive. There is a fine line. And that's why I love to use wine as the metaphor, because, you know, all those things, you can describe a wine using all those characteristics. Um, and, and it's important to have... Um, uh, the the balance going into that that helps you to to operate from a from the prefrontal cortex and not from the amygdala when we're actually in the situation. So at the event, um, you have a number of different mentors just speaking and sharing their stories and helping equip women in the in the industry. Uh, is it just in wine or or equipping in all levels of kind of leadership? Um, so, uh, last year, everyone that spoke was in wine, with the exception of one uh, woman, um, Sarah Jane Cole, who spoke sort of representing the beer industry. Um, this year, um, most of our speakers are within the wine, some sector of the wine industry, but we actually have brought in um, some women that are leaders in other industries that are relevant to the topics that we're covering. Um, so we have like on our entrepreneurship panel, we have a representative from an organization called Just, which um, is a nonprofit that uh, basically gives trust loans to low-income women who are starting their own businesses and creates strong networking um, and business development classes for them. And so I thought that was a really appropriate um, organization to align ourselves with when talking about entrepreneurship in this industry. Yeah. Um, we've also brought in um, somebody from... Uh, uh, an organization called All Have What She's Having um, that's a somewhat newly formed nonprofit and based out of Houston that offers um, healthcare and uh, checkups for women in the hospitality industry that don't have insurance. Nice. So similar organizations like that that we, um, we think that are really going to bring something unique um, and important to the conversations. And so those are the only people really outside the industry. Yeah. And so who typically attends the uh, event? Um, so last year we had a really great mix. I mean, our audience is certainly national. About 70% of the registrants so far for this year's conference are coming from out of state, which is really amazing. Um, but we have a really diverse mix. Most people I would say are in this industry, about 75 to 85% uh, work in wine in some capacity. Um, but it's really from all different backgrounds. So we have winemakers, media, you know, wine writers, um, sommeliers, hospitality professionals, import distribution. Everyone's represented there. We really try to make sure that everyone that's speaking on one of our panels also comes from a diverse background so that everyone feels like their voice is being heard or communicated in some, some capacity. Yeah, that's fabulous. Definitely. Well, I'm excited. So last year was the... First year, am I tracking with you here? Yeah, yeah. So this is the second one, and how how much have you grown year over year? 
Um, well, we definitely moved into a bigger space, which is yeah. nice. Um, last year we sold out with about 200 seats. We'll have 300, 350 this year. Good. Um, but we've launched some other programs this year that we didn't have last year, which I'm really excited about. Um, one being our first um, research uh, initiative. So we um, created a survey with uh, Rachel Woods from the Wine Nerd that um, really dives into uh, just kind of getting a better understanding of the state of gender equality in the industry um, by looking at, you know, which um, which buckets people align themselves with in the industry, what their their understanding is of the time frame to reach equality, um, you know, how many uh, mentors that are women have they had in their careers. Yeah. They understand um, the means that they have to increase their income. Do they feel comfortable negotiating? All sorts of things that I think are directly related to what we're talking about this year. Yeah. So we'll put the first round of data at the conference and in our event program. Um, and then the second thing that I'm super pumped about, especially since I live here in Austin, is we launched our first uh, community partnership initiative. Mm -hmm. um, and so we have 35 restaurants and retailers from around Austin um, that are featuring special menus and more women-made wines by the glass um, and by the bottle on their wine programs. And uh, many of them are giving a portion of proceeds back to us since we are still very small and newly formed nonprofit. Um, really is helpful for maintaining like a grassroots approach to our fundraising. Yeah. Right now, like you can go all over the city and find special menus and we're basically getting consumers to start being more conscious and aware of where they're spending their dollars and getting them to participate in this initiative with us so that it's not just the trade we feel like everyone has a part to play absolutely and i love that you emphasize um being conscious where you spend your dollars yeah uh, there are different wine growers that are growing wine um in a um, environmentally responsible way and, and that whole education is tightly woven with a um, number of people especially in the over 50 category of um, women who realize that their bodies react differently to wine as they get older and yeah. um, I, I keep reminding them it's not necessarily about the sulfites it might be about the tannins it could be about the pesticides used on the vineyards so yeah. Can we just talk about the whole picture? Yeah. Well, and I think that that's, um, I work, I work with natural wine at my wine and my wine program at Lena and, um, have worked extensively, extensively with, um, educating the public on what natural wine is and that, you know, it's not just about sulfites. It's not just about looking for organic grapes in the label. Um, yeah. you know, of the wine industry in the U.S. is not regulated by the FDA, so um, winemakers aren't required to put, you know, the list of ingredients on their label like they are with, you know, like other agricultural products in the states. And so it's very misleading to consumers because there are over 60 approved additives that can be put into any bottle of wine that you would never know oh. existed. Um, and so I've made it part of my mission with my consulting business with my partner to really start getting people to be more aware of recognizing certain importers that we feel like set really high standards for the types of wines that they're bringing in. Um, you know, native yeast fermentation is a big one um, that we that we really believe is at the at the core of the natural wine um, movements. And then, of course, healthy fruit. You can't 
do native yeast fermentation if you're if you don't have any active yeast on your grapes and you're spraying everything down with chemicals and sulfur the moment that you're in the vineyard or picking fruit so it's a long conversation i think for hopefully another podcast at some point it's but gonna take a little bit more time and maybe a glass of wine to get through that yeah yeah, uh, it, it's it's important that that people understand, and um, we vote with our pocketbooks. Yeah, and I love that you're equipping people to do that. I know I'm going to learn a lot at the um, uh, Wonder Women of Wine, and I I get to go back to Austin. My family is is happy to finally see me back home for a change. It's been years. Oh, and I say sorry. I'm coming home for this conference. I'll 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 squeeze you in between sessions. <laughs> but it's a uh, it's gonna be a blast uh, I I heard about the uh, yoga class I teach yoga too and it's funny here when I have a, a yoga and wine class at the local arts center people say what yoga and wine how do you do that <laughs> I say, guarantee you, you have the wine after you do the yoga but it's funny. yes we, we've, I've been to Morgan's classes several times um, now, and I, they're so much fun. They're great. I love the way that she incorporates, um, you know, she chooses a theme and she talks about uh, the history or facts about that grape or that wine um, as you're holding poses. And so just adds a little element of, um, you know, difficulty too when you're having to be stuck in a certain pose for a minute. <laughs> right. Well, that is part of the challenge, right? with wine after so so okay one of the important questions we always ask on the podcast is how you approach your own inner leadership how do you maintain the energy the mental clarity the emotional resilience to do all the things you do running a nonprofit and in addition to your full-time job um it's a great question and one that i constantly struggle with to be honest um you know there are a lot of ups and downs um with doing this work um it's both very fulfilling, but also emotionally um, exhausting um, at times. And so I think every day is is very different um, for me personally. I have in the past couple of years, I think made a lot of efforts to um, constantly gain inspiration um, by reading. I love, I'm a nonfiction book lover myself. And so I am always reading um, a book by a strong woman in the industry, not even in the wine industry, but just that I think I can gain some inspiration from. Um, so I always just try to keep other women's stories in mind. Um, I practice talking to myself uh, kindly um, internally. I think that we have to, I try to talk to myself like I would talk to my best friend, yeah. which it's easier said than done, of course, and sometimes mm -hmm. I have to take a step back and refer to myself in the third person and remind myself that I'm working very hard and it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to feel sad or upset or mad about something one day and to find joy in smaller things, um, which I think is what we have to do. And so um, it's also just very rewarding to, to hear people say, hey, I went to the conference last year it was amazing. This kind of, you know, the things that we sometimes take for granted when people come up and tell you what something meant to them. Um, I really try to hold on to those things and remind myself of them whenever I'm not feeling so great. So, yeah. Yeah. It's constantly, constantly a battle, but I think it's, it's worth uh, investing in. That's what we 
call the company 360 Life Strategies. You have to have a strategy if you want to, to live your life on purpose. There's just no way you can wing it by waking up in the morning and hoping that everything's going to fall in place. So yeah, exactly. uh, glad to hear that you have some things and you're doing some yoga. That's definitely a good way to keep yeah. your body completely engaged. Um, so you, you told me a little bit about the Chateau de Pop that you were able to enjoy with your fiance when you first yeah. met. What is it on a Thursday or Friday afternoon when work's done and you're just ready to relax? You don't need a drink, but you want a drink. You want to enjoy something and, and just kick back. What's that bottle of wine that you pull out? Um, so one of my favorites right now is um, uh, Pet Knot by uh, Liza and Bertrand's Juice. It's called Exile, and it's 100% Gamay from the Loire Valley. It's a producer I visited last February, actually, um, that I, I find their wines. They make some of the best Chardonnay Blancs, I think, from the Loire. Um, their sparkling wine is always consistently delicious, um, beautiful texture, bright, tart. Reminds me of red apple skins. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. Um, and I also love a lot of Spanish uh, wines. I'm a big fan of uh, really light and kind of peppery wines from the Canary Island Islands. Uh-huh. Um, I love Dolores Cabrera, uh, Fernandez, um, Listan Negro. And I'm geeking out with some weird wines here. No, I'm loving this. <laughs> now I feel like, okay, if I can't find these, I'm going to be back in touch with you asking you for the label. Yeah. <laughs> I have a wine palace on Pinterest where I post the labels of the wines that we talk about on the Women, Wine, and Leadership podcast so that people know they can pull that out when they're shopping <laughs> and, yeah. and actually take a look at the label. So, yeah. well, thanks. Uh, I, thank love, I love hearing about some new labels and i'm glad to say i'll see you in a few weeks yes i'm very excited thank you so much for taking the time and for volunteering as well and um, it's going to be an amazing weekend so yeah absolutely could be life-changing thanks so much for your time today rainia have a good one take care Bye. i hope you have enjoyed happy hour every day with some extraordinary women making history during women's history month I want you to know that you're not alone in the dreams and hopes that you're moving forward. I hope you find the strategies you need to live your own life by design through these stories. If you're finding this podcast helpful, would you do me a favor? Hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and rate us. That's how we know what's working so we can get more really great guests on this podcast and reach more people with some life strategies that will raise the, t the tide for all the boats <laughs> and stay in touch with us through all the usual places like 360 Life Strategies or Donna Carlson 360, wherever you hang out on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, or Pinterest, where I keep my wine palace. If you're in a wine store and you're not sure what to buy, that's what you need to look for. We'll talk to you again next month in April, where we are raising uh, wellness and with all of that stuff that's going on in the world right now, it's a good time to talk about being healthy. See you then.